we're going to keep it with, with basketball. I'm trying to get back to my roots. I know a lot of these um, previous episodes have been kind of about, you know, everyday news and what's going on or whatever. But the podcast was started because of basketball and my passion about basketball. And we're going to get back to that, especially with the NBA playoffs coming up. I seen a interesting post on Facebook. It's been maybe about a week or two ago. And this post it started with rank these players 1 through 3. And this list included Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, Clay Thompson. And when I got to reading through some of the comments, I was just like, "Wow." Like, I mean, trust me. That's that's a hard list to rank, but We'll dive into that here shortly. So the actual creator of the post, the the guy who, who got all of this started, got him in on the podcast today. He actually has his own podcast. It's called Beef's Beef. I want to welcome Brandon to the podcast. How's it going, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, no problem at all, man. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to, to join me. Like I said, you you're you're familiar with the with the podcast world, so just give me a rundown of you know what made you come up with beef's beef. Kind of give the people uh, an overview of of what all you talk about and where they can find it at. For sure. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know where I should really start. Uh, well, I mean, I've I've been a huge sports fan my entire life. Uh, Basketball has always been my favorite sport, but I've always just loved sports in general. I played basketball and baseball in high school. Um, and when I was a kid, um, my cousin gave me a whole lot of basketball cards. Like, I'm talking thousands of them. And my parents split up when I was really young. So, uh, during the weekends, I would live in the Portland neighborhood. So, you know, it's not really the nicest neighborhood to live in. So, a lot of times, I would just sit there and look at my basketball cards, look at the stats look at where, you know, players went to college and stuff like that. And uh, it grew my, my my liking of the sport even more. But not only that, it grew my knowledge in it. Like, it got to a point to where um, look, I still have a buddy that will text me to this day, just a random NBA player's name, and I'll just text him back where he went to college. So just that stuff going all the way back to when I was a, a younger kid, uh, I've always had people tell me, um, you know, you need to do, you need to go into broadcasting. You need to, you need to do this. I'm, and I, I, like, it was always something that was kind of cool. I always loved Stuart Scott and Rich Eisen whenever I would watch Sports Center back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I'll hear a couple of Joe Rogan episodes here every once in a while. It's like, man, it really catches my eye, but, or catches my ear. But for the most part, I don't really jig with podcasts that much, which is kind of funny because I've had one for almost four years now. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, but, uh, it was, I was just on a whim one day, man. I uh, I was sitting there, and I was like, you know what, man? I'm going to do this. So I hit up one of my buddies, one of my, longer, uh, one of my friends I've known for the longest time. and said, hey, man, uh, I think I want to do this podcast now. Uh, do you want to be in my first episode? And he was like, sure. I was like, all right, so this is my plan. So I printed off a whole bunch of stuff about the Champions Classic in 2017. Uh I think it was November 17th, November, uh, 2017 was the first episode I ever, I ever recorded. It recorded on the island of his kitchen, just 
sitting mm-hmm. there, me and him talking. Sent it to like two or three people. And I was like, I want you to be as critical of this as possible. And they're like, Did you've never done anything like this before? And I was like, no. They're like, and that's really good. And I was like, well, that was all I needed to hear. So I started that podcast. Uh, I went predominantly solo on that. But, I mean, you can stop me at any time because I could talk about this for hours. So No, uh, you're good. You're good. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually fascinated by it because you said it's been four years and it shows you how yeah. it's a it's a small world because I'm into sneakers, so I'm in a lot of mm-hmm. you know Facebook sneaker groups and stuff like that, a lot of buy sell trade or whatnot. And I come across a post. It's been a couple of years now where um, there's a guy getting rid of some of his old LeBrons, and I'm a huge LeBron <laughs> collector. And yeah. you know, I set up this meeting. You know, he's over in Indiana. And I was like, you know, I'll go over there and, you know, show me what you got and I'll buy whatever. And I met up with BJ and yeah, never met him a day in my life outside of, you know, talking on Messenger or whatever. And he showed me all of his old kicks. Then we got to talking about Cleveland basketball, college basketball. And before I knew it, man, I had sat over there at um the fireworks place for probably about 45 minutes to an hour just talking about sports and a couple months passed and there was a pair of LeBrons that I was trying to get rid of because they were actually too big and he reached out to me and he's like you know here I'll take them off your hands or whatever so I ended up meeting up with him again and you know we sat around talked for a few minutes or whatever and that's when I told him that you know I enjoyed playing basketball and stuff so he gave me an invite and you know we started linking up and going to play ball together and he was like you know we're we're doing a podcast and he was like you know go check it out sometime and I was like cool I'll, I'll check it out and when I went to first listen to it it was right doing I want to say March Madness because there was a couple episodes of you all were breaking down college or whatever mm-hmm. and that's what tuned me in so I started listening to it, followed the page or whatnot, and, you know, you all have had a lot of guests on there, great topics, and for me, it's like, I, I really enjoy how you engage, you know, try to get that engagement with your listeners when you do the different yeah. voting polls and stuff like that. So, real quick, before we dive into the Ray Allen topics or whatnot, like, what what pushed you in that direction to try to make sure that, you know, you got people engaged and stayed active with your listeners? So one of the biggest things that when I do listen to podcasts, um, one of my biggest pet peeves is at the end of the episode when someone's doing an interview, me saying to myself, I wish this person would ask this question. Or I wish they would have, not necessarily, but more would have, um, when a person opened up about something, if they would have talked about that more, mm-hmm. uh, or a versa, a versatility thing. Cause I'm a huge Louisville fan. Um, uh, but if you look at the list of my episodes, you'll see Kentucky sprinkled in there. You'll see former Kentucky coaches sprinkled in there because I, that's something that I've always wanted to do is like, yes, I'm always, I'm obviously going to be biased towards my team. That's not, that's an obvious thing. Every person has that, um, sense of a, a bias towards their team because that's their favorite team or you know what I mean it wouldn't be your favorite team if you didn't have a little bit of bias towards them uh, 
But, like, I had a good friend that I played against in high school that uh, played football for Kentucky. I coached the board that plays for Kentucky's football team now. Um, I got lucky enough. I'll tell I'll tell a story here that um, if you've listened to that one of the episodes, I tell the full story about it. Um, but probably the most popular episode that I've ever had is Denny Crum and Joby Hall. So when I was a sophomore in high school, we had to write a paper about uh, what we wanted to be when we grew up. And uh, I wanted to be a basketball coach. So my aunt at the time worked at UofL. And she was like, well, I mean, he'll probably won't answer, but I could just shoot an email to Denny to see if he went, if he'll uh, let you interview him. Mm-hmm. He wrote her back like the next day. and was like, yeah, tell him to come, tell him to come to the, uh, my office, um, you know, this day. So this is 2005. This was the weekend or the week in between the Elite Eight and the Final Four. So all the basketball teams back. So oh, I left man. school early at like a sophomore in high school, and I go down to the sack down at UofL, and I meet the entire Final Four team. They're just chilling in the sack. So right that right there has already made my day. Well, then after <laughs> that, I go and I interview Denny Crumb. Just like, it, it was just like basic interview questions that, that you have to ask the person that you're writing the paper on. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I had to write my paper on that. So fast forward now, what is that? That's 2005. Fast forward about 13 years. I put a post up on Facebook and I said, "Hey, does anyone know Denny Crum? Uh, I'd like to. I'd like to inter- or I'd like to uh, ask a favor of his if anybody knows him." Well, I have a good friend that also used to be on the radio back in the day. He said, "You know, I'm good friends with Denny and his wife. Uh, what is it you're needing?" So I told him, and he was like, "Yeah, let me uh, let me send a message to his wife." She wrote back and she was like, "Hey, just have him message me." So we go back and forth just talking through Messenger, and she was like, well, if you do a podcast, you probably need it to be pretty quiet, right? And I was like, yeah. She goes, why don't you go and come on come on out to the house? And I was like, for real? <laughs> she was like, yeah, I'll, I'll set up a uh, a date to do something that day so that, you know, I'll, I'll be out of the house and the dogs will be quiet and stuff. And you just come on out here and you and Danny have a conversation. I was like, okay. So I pull up there and uh, got a nice house. I won't give away the... Where it's at, but it's, he's course. got a nice house out by Taylorsville Lake. And and I sat there at the dinner table and just interviewed him for an hour. Well, towards the end of it, you know, he and Michelle. So I just brought it up, and I was like, hey, you know, I'd love to interview you and Joe B together. He goes, oh, yeah, I can make that happen. <laughs> okay. So uh, I gave it a couple months because, you know, I didn't want to bother him a whole bunch. And, you know, mentioned it to him, and he was like, well, I'm actually about to go on two month long fishing trips, one to Alaska and one to Montana. So once that gets done, uh, call me. He said, call me on this day. So I called him on that day and he said, yep, give me a couple of days. I'll get in touch with him. And we'll set up a date. Like, All right. So uh, I'll try so. to shorten this cause I know I'm rambling, but no, you uh, so that <laughs> he finally gets it set up and he was like, All right. Uh, so I go to his house and I pull up and I was like, so am I driving or are you driving? He goes, well, I guess you better go ahead and drive us. Like, All right. So I drive Denny to Lexus. So this is insane already for me because it's like one of my childhood heroes is sitting in my car right next to me and he's reading the USA Today and we're sitting here talking about baseball. Like he's talking about the Dodgers and, and all this stuff and he's telling me stories about how he played JV baseball for UCLA and stuff that I didn't even know that was like, that that was a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get down there and we get to the wrong church. So there's two churches right next door to each other in, in Lexington. And uh, so we pull up to the first one, and 
we walk up and this lady's like, oh, this is, this isn't the right church. And she looks at Danny and she goes, wait, I think I know who you are. You're, you're that guy who used to coach Louisville, right? He goes, yeah. She goes, I, I actually like you though. Even though you coach Louisville, I actually like you. <laughs> well, you know, thank you. So we go next door and, uh, we walk in there and we end up eating and then in comes Joe B. Hall. And, uh, well, it's funny. Some of those guys were razzing Denny because he comes in there so often they know him. So at this point, this is like, early 27 or it's about early 2018 i'm sorry when, it's, when i'm doing this interview so this is like right in the middle of uh the patino stuff mm-hmm. and uh we walk in there and one of the guys goes well if it ain't uh rick patino's character uh first character witness or something like that or something, <laughs> something to that extent and i was like oh man they, they ain't hold they pulling punches at all with denny um so we're sitting there, and Denny and I order our food, and we're sitting out at the table, and I look over, and I see Joe B. Hall walking in with a guy that I don't really recognize. So we get our food, and we're sitting at the table, and Joe B. sitting in front of me, Denny, Denny sitting to my right, and this other guy that I don't really know is sitting to my left. So we start talking, and Denny goes, oh, I wanted to introduce you. Uh, Oscar, this is Brandon. Brandon, this is Oscar. I shake his hand, and he goes, hey, Oscar Combs. And I was like, Oh my gosh! Oh, wow. Like I, I knew who he was once he said his name, but I didn't realize that's who it was. So, like any UK fans, I mean, I'm sure you probably know who Oscar Combs. Right? Yeah, I'm definitely a UK yeah. fan. That's why I'm like, dude, like just listening yeah, to so this. So, like, I was like, <laughs> yeah, this is insane. I was like, what? So, this is the scariest part of any podcast that I've ever had, and I think you will be able to uh, level with me on this. So, this is the reason I'll tell you that this is the reason why I got another computer. So I'm sitting there, and we're eating our food, and I open up my computer just to kind of get things a little bit set up to be a little bit ahead of the curve when we started, and my computer does an automatic update. Oh, wow. I couldn't stop it. Like, I couldn't stop anything that it was doing. So here's where I got really lucky. So I walk out into the lobby. So we're in this, like, little cafeteria part. It's like a church school type area. And uh, I talked to the receptionist, and I was like, hey, you know, is there any way that, like, a quiet room or whatever? And I see this room over to the side. I was like, yeah, she's like, yeah, you can use that. Bro, if I, I'm not lying to you. It it took an hour for this thing to update. Oh, Luckily, these man. guys like to talk. I was freaking out, man. I was like, this is the worst thing that can happen. I'm all the way in Lexington. I'm about to interview two Hall of Famers. Like, this is the biggest thing that's happened to me for this podcast. And this is going to happen right now. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, so, oh, wow. I told this. That's what I told them, and they didn't even care. Like, they had all the time in the world. They were just sitting there talking. Well, finally, it finishes updating, and everything's fine. I go in there. I set everything up. Got a... And we get to the end. Everything's perfect. And uh, Joe B. goes, uh, well, can I ride home with one of you guys? When y'all give me a ride home? Then he's like, well, I rode with him, so he'll have to drive. I was like, yeah, don't worry about it. So I drove Joe B. Hall home in Lexington with Denny Crum in my car. And then, like, like it's still it's still crazy to me to this day that I can tell that story and say, you know, I drove two of not only just Hall of Fame basketball coaches, but two Hall of Fame people because those guys are two of the nicest men you'll ever meet in your life. Yeah, that's, um, that's amazing, man. That's something that you can definitely tell for days and pass down and, and let people know. And that's why, you know, I was telling uh, some buddies of mine, I was like, you know, he has a lot of guests, you know, like, people of importance and i think that's the most important part about the podcasting world and i'm i'm slowly trying to get towards that 
that that area of networking and you know trying to build those relationships and stuff so that's definitely a cool experience man let me uh let me give advice don't slowly jump into it i don't know if that makes any sense because if you slowly jump into it it, it to me it, it kind of shows a little not i'm not necessarily saying that's what you're saying but it almost shows like a little bit of sense of fear mm-hmm. and something that i learned early on in this podcast like the coach Dion branch's son whenever i I was at Moore. That's where I coached J.J. Weaver, that place for Kentucky. Um, so I had Deion Branch's phone number in my phone. And I was just sitting there with B.J. one day, and I was like, I, I would love to interview Deion Branch. And I was like, what am I even talking about? Like, I'm just going to call him. Uh-huh. What's the worst he can say is no. That's the mindset you, that uh, if there's any advice that I could give to someone like yourself that wants to start doing interviews or anyone that maybe listens to this that wants to start doing a podcast that does interviews, don't be afraid. Like Tony Collins, the sports center anchor, I literally just DM'd her on on, on uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Let's see, Larry O'Bannon, I literally just DM'd on Facebook. Uh, Scott podcast after uh, one of my interviewers did, and I inter- DM'd him on Twitter. Like you would be so surprised at how many people uh, will just say yes just because you ask them because they love to talk. You know what I mean? Like right. they just love to get their story out there. Like when you, like when you had brought up like getting getting together. Like I, I feel the same way. That, like I understand where they're coming from. I was like, absolutely, I'd love to talk about myself. As selfish as that sounds, but I'd, I'd love to be able to talk about. <laughs> like I said, that's, that's the power you know, that I'm of, passionate about, and I would love to see. Right, that's the power of social media, and, and like I said, it all boils down to just networking and and branching out. So definitely good stuff. So real quick, man, tell everybody how. They can uh, locate your podcast. I'm pretty sure it's on all streaming platforms, correct? Yeah. So um, you spoke about BJ. BJ was on there from, you know, episode 68 to 164. 164 was my very first episode that I started on uh, YouTube. So I use uh, Zoom now. So all of my podcast episodes from now on will be on – they're on YouTube. Um, I haven't gotten enough followers, so maybe if you all could follow me. You can just search my name, Beef Beef Podcast, on on uh, YouTube. I've done plenty of good video interviews, but if, if I get up to 100, I can change the the uh, URL so I can give you the exact website. But uh, you can find me on there. You can find me on SoundCloud. You can find me on uh, Google Play. Uh, you can find me on iHeart, uh, Apple. Um, and there's a couple of like there's a couple other ones. Like, my buddy submitted my podcast to this thing, and I was like, you know what? That's fine. It was like some, like, comedy app or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I, I can't say – I never, like, list that one. The, the main ones that I always list, though, are Apple, SoundCloud, YouTube, and uh, Spotify. I'm on Spotify as well. Um, so you, Good stuff. Good stuff. I, I try to make it accessible for every type of phone. Uh, I know I, I use Apple, but – not everybody uses an apple. Right. I try right. to make it accessible for everybody. Definitely. So if y'all are listening, man, definitely go check that out. Some great content. Definitely check it out. So going to this post, man, it's like, it's tough, man. Rank these players one through three, Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, and Clay Thompson. Yeah. And I saw everyone's comments and 
I like instantly like there goes my I respectfully disagree because Clay Thompson was like <laughs> across the board like the last option. And I get, you know, we're yeah. talking about Hall of Famers. So just off of yeah. that alone, you know, they're supposed to get that that notch ahead of Clay Thompson, but for me, like I said, I'm I'm a huge basketball junkie and once I got to thinking about it, and I was just like, dude, like Clay Thompson is just he gets the short end of the stick because he has to play behind Steph. And then a few years into their, you know, height of, you know, the Golden State era, here comes Kevin Durant. So now he has to play behind yeah. KD and Steph. So he's he's always been that person that's that's gotten the short end of the stick. But in my opinion, I feel like he was the most important part of it all. So I'm taking that in consideration when I when I'm looking at this list, and I'm like, dude, like Clay gives you defense. He gives you the same amount of points, and the fact that he doesn't get the touches that Ray Allen used to get when he was in his prime. You know, Reggie Miller, of course, was the face of of the Pacers. So Reggie Miller was the go to guy. Clay Thompson is holding his own without that that franchise face. So I'm like, dude, like that's that's tough, but I get it. So just real quick, man, like, what was your what was your take on the on this on this ranking? So uh, I I looked back at um, whenever I thought their entire catalog of players. Because if you remember, I'll, I'll start with Ray Allen. If you remember when Ray Allen came into the when it's being a shooter, not that he couldn't shoot, but Ray Allen would dunk on people. Ray Allen would drive around people. Like, Ray Allen was known as not just a shooter. He was he was the guy for exactly. Milwaukee and then Seattle before he got to Boston. And then I feel like, really, when he got to Boston, he settled into just strictly shooting the ball. Because that was what um, that was what that team needed. That team needed that knockdown shooter to, with two big playmakers in Paul Pierce and, and, and Kevin Garnett, as well as a distributor and Rajon Rondo. Um, so that was kind of where I went with that because now I, I want to preface this with saying this said, and you've said it, who's the best player? It didn't say who's the better, who's the best shooter because if it said who's the best shooter, I would have a different order. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Secondly, I went to Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller, well-known for leading those Pacers teams, uh, was a fantastic shooter, um, but did a lot of other things as well. And then you go to Clay. Now, Clay's the best defender out of all three of those, but he's also the worst, I would say, ball handler out of all three of them. You think of his most prolific games. I mean, didn't he have a game where he scored uh, He scored like 40 and only, had, only dribbled the ball like 11 times? Yeah. So – it's it's all that one with me has always showed me that that guy, uh, where I would rank him, I'm not going to give any ranking away. I would rank him very highly on the all-time shooters list. But if you're talking to me about a player, I don't feel like he's as good at getting his own shot as those other two guys are. So that was why I ranked him down lower. Now, again, he's a better defender than those guys. But if we're talking about an all-around player, I would take those other two guys before him because of their offensive prowess outside of just shooting. And and that's that's a fair take. It really is. That's a fair take. And I'm gonna push back just a little bit. So here goes another. Oh, I, that's why. I, that's why I love it. I love it, man. I, I would. I'd love to do this. So, 
Yeah, right. I'm, I'm definitely down. I love it too. That's why when I saw it and I was reading the comments, I was like, it it's hard to even argue because technically there's no right or wrong answer. Like it's Absolutely. just it just boils down to preference because like you said, you know, we're talking about some of the the best shooters out there. And yeah. when I when I think about it, and it's like actually, I think Clay scored sixty that game where he was like, you know, he done that with only yeah. It, it might. Have, I knew it was a lot of points. And then he had a game where like he scored what like thirty eight and a quarter, thirty seven and a quarter, thirty seven and a quarter. Yeah. So I'm saying to myself, I'm like that alone shows you that he's he's lethal, and he doesn't even have to create his own shot. So yeah. imagine if he was the face of a franchise. And he didn't have to come, you know, behind Steph, which the world at this point considers to be the greatest shooter ever. So, you know, imagine that playing playing alongside of the greatest shooter ever, and yet you and him go toe-to-toe with records. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're sitting here outdoing each other on who hit the most threes in a game and and just shooting the lights out. And he doesn't have the ball in his hands. I think that is incredible. Like, and I, I feel like it's it's unappreciated in a sense, because like you said, of course, when Ray Allen was was drafted, he was he was the face of that. I'm trying to think, was was Big Dog still there? Glenn was uh, I still think there. They were, yeah, they had they had him. Uh, they had Ray Allen, uh, Big Dog, Glenn Robinson, and they also had Tim Cassell. And I think their big man was uh, not Magic, but the other Irvin Johnson. So, you know, for Ray Allen to get drafted and come in and just fit in right away, and he, he held his own, he had a nice rookie campaign, you know, that shows you the the talent was there. So I'll, I'll give you that. Like, he was more than just a shooter. So Ray Allen definitely gets the edge from a athletic standpoint because Clay's not a big high flyer or nothing like that. He's strictly catch and shoot. But then you go to Reggie Miller. And I guess, you know, it's kind of like before my time, so to speak. Yeah. Because by the time I was old enough to really pay attention, you know, Reggie was already in his prime. So we're talking early 90s, you know what I'm saying, like right in the middle of that Bulls run. So, of course, Chicago overshadowed a lot of that. So I really didn't get to see Reggie Miller that much. I mean, we knew how good he was. And, of course, the play with the Knicks, you know, last eight seconds or however long it was. And he, you know. Yeah, eight points in nine seconds. Yeah. So it's like I don't want to disrespect Reggie Miller. So it's just it's it's hard to even address. But to me, it's like I almost want to say Clay. I, I want to say Clay, yeah. Ray Allen, Reggie Miller. But again, that's just me saying that I'm giving Clay the edge because of defense and because he doesn't have the same opportunities that those other two players had. Well, let me let me push back again because if you remember, I guess it was two years ago now. He had the chance to go do his own thing, and he chose to stay in that. So shouldn't that push him back a little bit as well since he chose to take that role on himself? When KD left, he chose to sign that extension and stay there with, with Steph. But it's like when when KD leaves, that, that opens a whole other door. So I, I don't I – don't Because I, I, like, I, I, I'm totally with you on the stuff up – like 
even when KD came and signed, because that's something he doesn't have control over. Control over. Right. But when you have control over it, where you can you can literally go be the guy at pretty much any other place in the NBA outside of like five or six places, and then you choose to stay where you're at. I don't. I'm not hating on him for it, mm-hmm. but I kind of feel like that kind of pushes that argument away now because he says, "Well, this is where I kind of want to stay. This is where I feel the most comfortable." And that, and that's where it's like you 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 skate on that thin line of you know we're in this era where people are questioning guys' loyalty and whether or not they should stay or yeah. fly to another team chasing championships and it's like he already has championships so sure. other than you know maybe his own individual accolades that's the only motive that I could possibly see him leaving Golden State and now with KD yeah. out out of the door or out of the picture, it's like, okay, now we can try to get back to normal. It's just unfortunate that he had back-to-back injuries, like damaging injuries. Like, I'm really hoping that he's able to come back and pick up where he left off. But that's that's tough, man. Yeah, I mean, I guess it does help him because, like the other two guys, he doesn't really depend on outside – outside of his defense, he doesn't really depend on – those as much as the other guys he's more of a set shooter so yeah it's going to be tough but with modern medicine i mean look at katie katie looks like the exact same player katie um, definitely shot again he's me. still going out sometimes but when he's playing he looks like the exact same player he he definitely shocked me like i didn't expect that at all i was like man <laughs> i was like if anything he looks more lethal like he's just pulling up no yeah. conscious at all it was funny because I think it was you that, that shared the thing from Richard Jefferson, wasn't it, about, about uh, the goats and Richard Jefferson had like five or six different goats. Like, if you <laughs> ask me, there's not a better – like, I disagree with him, and I'm the biggest LeBron fan you'll ever meet other than maybe yourself, but I don't think there's a better scorer all time than KD. I just – I don't. Like, there's – like, you can put him in literally any era, and he would be a mismatch in any era, and he would be a really scary matchup early uh, – probably starting in the mid to early 80s and going all the way back. Like, those those guys that <clears throat> dribbled with one hand the whole time. And, like, <laughs> could you imagine KD in, like, the 60s or 70s? Like, that guy would average 100 points a game. Yeah, it wouldn't be fair. Not at all. Not at all. And he's, he's definitely, like, he's a unicorn. I look at KD as a unicorn. Absolutely. Like, that's, that's just – you can't stop it. You just got to hope that he's just having an off game. Exactly. And as far as the the Richard Jefferson thing, I mean, once he broke down his criteria for why he said it the way that he said it, he was like, you know, longevity, how many points you score in a particular time period, that's when you got to start, you know, kind of like giving a little bit of leeway. Trust me, I'm not saying LeBron is the best scorer of this era, but... I feel like as far as consistency, like LeBron, LeBron gives you 25 on a regular basis. And it's like, to yeah. me, I, I think a lot of people don't appreciate that. So hopefully once he's retired away from the game and, and we're able to just sit back and, and look at it in hindsight, people will actually appreciate what it is that he, he left out there. If we're talking about players, I don't think it's close that LeBron's the best player. Um, I think LeBron has set himself head and shoulders above every other player just by 
uh, I use the argument that everyone uses against him for himself, where when he leaves places, look at those teams when he leaves them. <laughs> like, those teams are absolutely terrible. That should show you, like, I, I get so tired of seeing these old heads that talk about how, well, LeBron's a crybaby. LeBron would never be able to play in the 90s. LeBron would kill every person in the 90s. Like, I'm tired of hearing this stuff that uh, he wouldn't be able to play with. Those those players playing rough, guess what? Those were still called fouls. So regardless of what you want to say, that was still called a foul in 1992, even though you think that, you know, somebody like Bill Lambeer elbowing somebody made him a better player. Like, no, that just makes that guy dirty and, and takes away from what Jace Nathan wanted the game of basketball to be at in the beginning anyway. I definitely so agree with I, you I, it gets It gets so tiring, like – now, I don't cheer for LeBron's team. I don't like the Lakers, so I'll preface that. <laughs> uh, I'll say that as well. I don't like the Lakers. I cheer for LeBron to score 60 and then lose. So them playing the way they are right now is not really upsetting to me. Uh, <laughs> so that may be funny to some people. I just hate the Lakers. Like, um, I, Trust me, it, it, it's, it's karma because I've always talked bad about the Lakers. I always talk bad about the yeah. Lakers. And then LeBron goes there, and I'm like, first of all, I'm not a Lakers fan. So I joke around with people all the time. I'm not a Lakers fan. Like, you know, I watch the games because of LeBron. And this has been the hardest stretch. <laughs> Every now and then I'll peek in on them just to see how it looks. But it's just like, man, like, first of all. You, you know, know I, like, I still don't think he looks right in the purple and yellow. I don't think he looks right. It's just weird. It really is. And I felt like after they, after he went back to Cleveland and they won that championship in Cleveland, I was like, dude, there's nothing left for you to do. Like, just – Play your, play your career out and, and leave it there and just retire in Cleveland. But I get it. You know, this whole chasing the ghost of Jordan and you got to have X amount of championships. I, I, I get it, but I don't like it. I don't like it either. But that's a whole yeah, other I mean, conversation. The, yeah, I mean, the, the last thing I'll say on it is the biggest omission that some of these old heads um, – like to leave out is the fact that Michael Jordan didn't make it out of the first round until he got Scottie Pippen. They want to get on LeBron for losing in the finals, but if you ask a person, would you rather lose in the first round or would you rather lose in a championship? Every person is going to say, I'd rather lose in a championship. LeBron has never lost the first round series. People call me so, crazy. I, I, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. If you want to say, hey, I think Michael Jordan is the better player, okay, like, that's fine. But when you say it, don't try to drag the other one down. Like you just say, "Hey, this is who I prefer as the as the goat." And I, and you know what? I could definitely see the argument. It's like the Montana Brady argument. I could see the argument for both sides. But don't drag one guy down and say, "Well, this guy could never do this." Like when he would drag that entire like that entire <laughs> era of basketball that person was in. It doesn't make sense to me. So it it, it sucks because my all time two favorite players are those two guys because I grew up watching Jordan. And then, like, I actually, like, grew up as a teenager watching LeBron and now into my latter years, and I'm watching LeBron still. So, like, I've grown up with LeBron. And that's the beauty so, of it. And I think that that's the part that's that's unappreciated because it's like I graduated high school in 2003 along with LeBron mm -hmm. James. And I done went to college, got out, got married, had kids, and this guy is still at, at the height of his – 
at his career. It's like, you know, he, <laughs> it's nuts, man. <laughs> people are still expecting it's him really, this late in his career to still be carrying a franchise. And it's like, dude, like this is unheard of. But again, those are the unrealistic expectations that they set for him. Absolutely. So real quick, man, real quick. After I saw your, your post about the, the ranking of the three guys, it led mm-hmm. me on to be like, you know what? Who's the top five shooters of all time? Because Steph has been on a tear this last month, and everybody's just going nuts and automatically inserting him into the MVP race. And I'm like, dude, the the Warriors have been floating around eight and ten, ten seed for the second half of the season, and it's like we just want to put Steph in the MVP race because of the numbers. And I, I feel like, dude, I'm like, that's – like, when did we start changing the criteria for MVP? Like, it's no longer about wins anymore. It's just like who can entertain us the most. But, like I said, that's a whole nother conversation. It led me to think, like, you know, who's the top five shooters of all time? And so you want me to go? You want me to go? Who do like? Do you first well, of all? Go, go ahead. Unless you want to say yours first, is that were you asking me to say mine first? Whoever, like, here. First of all, here I'll go. I'll give my honorable okay. mentions. Honorable mentions in regards to some of the best shooters that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I'm going with with Pager. I think Pager was yeah. like, he's one of those dark horses where a lot of people kind of forget about him. But I, I I loved how he would just come off screens, unbalanced, and he's just draining. And I'm like, that to me is just pure shooting. And that's, that's the glory in it all because you're able to just lock in on the rim. It doesn't matter about balance, going straight up and down and all of that. Like he was just able to catch and go. So Paige is definitely on that list. Cal Corver. I feel like Cal Corver definitely deserves some kind of recognition. It's unfortunate that, you know, towards the end of his career, he just became a, a bench guy here, come knock down a few little shots here or there. But I felt like if he was utilized properly, Cal Corver could have could have been a, a, a lethal weapon for a lot of teams. Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice, he was definitely one of those sharp shooters. I didn't like his run with the Lakers. I felt like at that point he just he was that old guy. But prime Glenn Rice, he was definitely up there. So those were a few of my honorable mentions. And uh he didn't make it pro, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here. But I wanted to give his name a, a, a shout-out because I saw him a few times at Rupp Arena. This was back when I was at UK. And just watching him play, it was just – it was beautiful. Chris Lofton. Chris Lofton. He played for Dallas for a little bit. Uh, but it was just – he wasn't in the league very long. Talk about a guy that Buffalo and Kentucky completely whiffed on. <laughs> Man, that's, that's – we whiffed on him, but we put him out of the tournament. Uh, Louisville did, so I guess we kind of made up our uh, round on that. But yeah, we definitely could have used him. Like, Chris Lofton was nice. 
for anybody that's not sure who that is, just go. You, I'm sure it's on YouTube or somewhere. There's got to be some Chris Lofton highlights somewhere. He played for Tennessee, but he was a Kentucky kid. And like you said, it's like how he was not able to go to either UK or U of L is is still mind blowing. But I think he went to like Mason County or something. Um, Maysville or something. Yeah, he's from Maysville, I think. So one of them schools. Yeah, somewhere around there. But when I tell you, dude, like, I went to the game and just watching him, like, it was just so easy. It was just easy. And I was just like, dude, like, this kid is nice. And he could shoot from anywhere on the court. Anywhere on the court. So those were my honorable mentions. And I'm going to go with my top five, starting at the bottom. Reggie Miller. Like I said before, it's just one of those – situations where he was kind of before my time but I do respect the greats like I said I've, I've seen him enough to where Reggie was that guy he was able to come off screens either side of the floor he was able to just put in the basket three pointers mid-range whatever he needed to do he got it done he was definitely gritty and I like that about him so Reggie Miller is my fifth Next is Clay Thompson. Again, it's just it's unfortunate that he has to play behind Steph. <laughs> it's so unfortunate. <laughs> it really is because it's just like to me I love his shot. Like I said, I'm I'm fascinated with shooting. Like I not to toot my own horn or whatever, but I I like to shoot. Like I may not can get up and down the court and stuff like I used to anymore, but I'll stand out there and shoot all day long, sun up, sun down. I just like getting shots up. So I love the art of shooting the basketball. And to me, it's like Clay's shot is the exact same every single time. He's going to go straight up and down. Form and everything is the exact same. And I'm just – I'm fascinated by it. Whereas with Steph, Steph is just – has just a God-given talent because if you look at the way he shoots it, Every shot is different. And it's like, to me, that's that's muscle memory. Like, he's just – he's shot the ball so many times where he knows how much it takes to get there. And when he gets on a hot streak, he's off balance, he's leaning forward, he's falling backwards, and he's just, he's just able to make them. So that's just a God-given talent. But when it comes to just pure form, going up and down, straight up and down, I love Clay's shot. Third – Another guy ahead of my time, but again, I, I respect the legends. I've seen enough highlights, seen enough film, seen the three-point contest. And if you can win a three-point contest without even taking off your warm-up shirt, like, <laughs> you're a bad man. And I, I feel like a lot of people don't give him the credit that he deserves when it comes to talking about shooting. And correct me if I'm wrong, early in his career, the three-point line, was was it there yet? Larry Bird. It was not. When he started in the NBA, it had not started yet because he started in 79. And I think it made it to the NBA in 83 or 84, something like that. And that's what I thought, too. That's why I was like, I, I wanted to double-check to be sure because, again, I was born in 84. So we're talking about a time period that, of course, <laughs> I have to go back and research to understand what all took place. But like I said, Larry Legend, dude. <laughs> He was a bad man, and it's just like, you know, you hear all the stories about how he would shoot from anywhere, but, of course, they were twos, so it really didn't count. 
And that's where I feel like a lot of the older players don't get the credit that they deserve in comparison to these new guys. It's like we're we're fascinated with Steph, of course. But it's like when you look at the volume that these guys, you know, these guys are attempting double-digit three-pointers a game. A lot of the older oh, yeah. guys didn't have that opportunity. So if you give Reggie Miller or Ray Allen 10-plus three-point attempts a night, you change history. Like, we're having a whole different conversation. You know, I saw a stat the other night where Steph, um, he's, what, the youngest to hit, what was it? I don't forget how many Steph's already hit, but I think it's like him and Ray Allen are the only ones. But at the same time, it's like you have to look at right now Steph is averaging 12 attempts a night. He's putting up 12 threes a night. I'm like, dude, like that's a lot. But granted, you know, he he has the ultimate green light. But we're talking about numbers that a lot of the legends never even had an opportunity to do half of that. So Larry Bird is third for me. Of course, Ray Allen is second. That's self-explanatory. We've been talking about it for a while now. So Ray Allen definitely falls as the second best. I wanted to put him first just out of respect. But the way Curry has come back this year, like he's just kind of put himself in a league of his own. So salute to Steph because quite naturally he has to be number one. <laughs> Steph is number one on my list. Like you, you can't even argue it anymore. Steph is just unconscious. For sure. So we had a lot of the same honorable mention guys. Um, just uh, Paige, Jeb, Corver, Rice. Um, I had I had some other honorable mentions. When you have Bird on your top five, I don't. I have him in my honorable mention. Um, I have uh, Dirk. And my honorable mentions as well. Ooh. JJ Redick. Uh, JJ's definitely one that also had kind of like the short career. Jimmer Fredette. I hated uh, that for him. Not to cut you off. I like I, he was one of those yeah. guys where I just knew he was going to go pro and just shoot the lights out. Yeah. And then uh, another two old heads here. Uh, you got Chris Mullen played for you know the Pacers later in his career. Played for. You know the Warriors before Steph and Clay, um, and then another. The last one that I have in my honorable mention is Mitch Richmond. Mitch Rich, ooh, um, I forgot about him. Yeah, those guys are just some guys that I remember playing with on video games back in the day, uh, back when you know Nintendo sixty four days and you know early on in, in basketball games when you thought we had great graphics. Now you can see eyelash stuff <laughs> on players. So that's right. Nuts. I want to say, what was that, NBA NBA Live 96 or 97 had Mitch Richmond on the cover? I believe it was 96, yeah. I think it was 96. Was Sacramento. Takes back memories, man. Takes back memories. Because um, that was the year Iverson, uh, and, Iverson and Ray Allen and them were, were uh, rookies. So that was one of the games Ray that definitely, definitely stood out. Mitch yeah. Richmond, I forgot about him. Good one. Her... <laughs> So, you gotta respect Steve Kerr, uh, but again, those are just guys. Well, you that, say that that's my number five. Oh wow, that's dope. Then Steve go Curry. ahead. Steve Kerr is my number five shooter of all time. Um, just thinking of a guy, you know, playing alongside Jordan and Pippen, uh, hitting big shots in the finals, uh, and then going, moving on, and going to the next dynasty, which was the 
uh, <laughs> the San Antonio Spurs are doing the exact same thing. Uh, the guy was unconscious. I and mean, you look at him, it's kind of like the story that they had of John Stockton whenever they were the dream team where, you know, he was just walking around uh, wherever the Olympics was at Barcelona mm-hmm. and people didn't know who he was. Like, that's <laughs> what I feel like Steve Kerr could do. Like maybe not now because he's coached the Warriors for a while, but like when Steph, when Steve Kerr was playing, like I feel like Steve Kerr could have walked down the street in some cities and people wouldn't have known who he was. When they had a clue. It's just the normal-looking guy, and then he just goes out there and can shoot it from anywhere on the court. Um, number four, we talked about him a bunch, Reggie Miller. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think his game kind of speaks for itself. It's definitely I mean, self-explanatory. We have Steve Kerr. Um, three for me is Clay, and to be honest with you, where you said you could have uh, put Ray Allen as one, mm-hmm. I could have put Ray Allen at three. Because as much as I said about Clay not being as uh, as good of a, a spread out player as I said Ray and Reggie were, mm-hmm. I think he's a better shooter than both of them. Um, like I, I, I hate the Warriors. It's not been anything that I've ever shied away from. Uh, but like you said, man, it, it, like you can't not say that these guys, these two guys, are two of the greatest shooters of all time. Uh, there was a time where I thought Clay could be possibly a better shooter than Steph. I, like, a couple years later, it just it's like it's nuts. But I'll go back and t- yeah. see if I can pull up some of those old Facebook posts of mine from a couple years ago because I I definitely argued Clay is the better shooter than Curry. I felt like Curry was just streaky. Once he got hot, you couldn't you couldn't cool him off. But I've seen games yeah. where Curry couldn't hit the side of a barn. And I'm like, you have to take that in consideration. Or when it's big games, you know, when the game that really matters, I've seen Curry go cold. But on the flip side, when they were down 3-1 to Oklahoma, Clay is the reason why they were able to come back and win that series. I don't care what anybody says. Clay was the difference maker. And I've seen Clay save them in the playoffs several times. If you go back and look at some of those yeah. Houston series, Clay would have a huge game five or game six. And we're talking about, again, where the plays are not even drawn up for him. It's just here, catch, turn, pop, it's good. And he's going back on the other end to play against the best offensive player for the other team. And I'm like, dude, that's incredible. So I definitely agree with you there. But now it's just like, I guess we're all prisoners of the moment. And we're just like. Steph is Steph is the three point king. Like you know what I'm saying? Like he's just the best shooter. And you know, oh, I, I've gone back on the Clay thing. Like I, I thought he was for a while, and then I, I don't like Steph. Just I don't know, man. Hey, you just gotta guard him when he gets steps on the court. That's just <laughs> the easiest thing to say. Is if he steps on the court, you better have a hand in his face and hope he still misses. Right. Um, but then two is Ray Allen and one is Steph. Um, so, I mean, we had a lot of this, this. Our top two was the same. We had four of the same guys on, on the list. But uh, I would be in that list, I think, of people that don't really hold Larry Bird as high regard as everyone else. Um, it's just I mean, we could talk about this on another episode, like maybe have me on for our, our top ten players of all time, but he's not in the top ten. Um, and I've had that argument with with other people. But I just, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. I I think he is a great shooter, and I, I like that's why I have him in my 
honorable mention. And like, if there's anyone I could put on there, it probably would be him out of those honorable mentions. Um, but I don't know. I just, it goes a lot of the times with the uh, LeBron comparisons and stuff, and it's like you know, LeBron would kick his teeth in if they played <laughs> type stuff. And I don't know. I guess I let it get to my head too much. I guess you should say, but I don't know. I, I've never really, he's never really been in high regard for me as far as a player that I feel like you could put in every era and still do the same thing. It's just it's weird because, like I said, I I, I love the game. I love the each yeah. individual for what they're able to bring to the game. And I think that's that's the part that's fascinating fascinating about it. It's because not every player is the fastest. Not every player jumps the highest. So now it becomes a mental game. And it's like, how can I use my skill or my talent to still accomplish the same goal, which is putting the ball in the basket? So when you look at Larry sure. Bird's uh, physique, he's not the fastest guy on the court. He's not the highest jumper, but at the end of the day, when it's time for the rubber to meet the road, Larry Bird just went out and got buckets. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, yeah. that was incredible. Like that, that's dope. And it's like nobody can do anything about it. And I love going back watching some of those old highlights and stuff like that. And it's just like some of the shots that he was able to pull off, and you know, he either hand. And I'm just like, dude, like Larry Legends up there. He's definitely I look at a lot of those highlights. Um, it's it's hard for me to say because um, you look at some of the stars when Jordan was playing. Yeah. You know, you'll have guys like Tom Chambers, <laughs> or you know, guys like um, I, I like I can't think of anybody else right off the top of my head. Even though I just started talking, but like you, know, like Detlef Shrimp was a really good player in those in those eras. Uh, like you have guys like that that would be like the end of the bench guys now. Yeah, where you could put a guy like J.R. Smith, or not. That's a bad example because J.R. Smith so wishy washy with everything. <laughs> but you could put like a second tier player now, and he would be a superstar in that era. I feel like. And I, you know, and what? that's that's I, what's always kind of tough for me. I I agree with you one hundred percent, and that's why. I, Oftentimes when I have those arguments, I'm like, dude, like today's athletes, just from an athletic standpoint alone, would run circles around some of those guys back then. And I'm like, it's no disrespect to your John Stocktons, your Hornacek's, your Muggsy Bowles. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, those were household names back then. So imagine dropping a John Wall or Westbrook. You know what I'm saying? You you putting these guys. That's Go ahead. I don't want to leave that guy's name because I feel like that guy gets slept on so much, even in our era, is Russell Westbrook. And you you comment or you reacted to my post. I'm not hearing any Westbrook slander anymore. It's just not happening. That guy's one of the greatest players of all time. The guy's averaged a triple-double four out of five years. And for some reason, like people just, for, just like, oh, well, you know, six years ago this was phenomenal. But, like, now it's like, Oh, he's already done it three other times. Like this isn't anything anymore. Like I'm not. That's it's insane to me. We gave Oscar Robinson his due for averaging it one time. He's done it four years out of five. It's insane to talk about. So if you're gonna get mad at me, and I'm, I'm slowly trying to turn the leaf over. But it's I'm I'm I was definitely one of those Westbrook haters. I hated his style of play. Oh, I, 
there, there was people where I would understand. Like, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can kind of see where you're coming from. But, like, he just did it with the wizard. Like, you're not telling me anything anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he just, he's got the wizard in the playoffs right now. Granted, it has a lot to do with Bradley Beal as well. But, but that's fair. Like, the other night when he did what 20, 20 and twenty, like you, like that. At that point, that's when it's like, dude, like you just sound crazy trying to argue against it. So, yeah, that's and why the I was other like, thing I'm is, not is like, he, he he does exactly what every person wants a player to do. He plays every game, every possession, everything like this, like it's his last. He doesn't like he doesn't like opposing players during the game. Like he's not buddy buddy. Like. Like that's why I don't understand why he gets so much slander because for everything that people get on for players nowadays doing, he's the exact opposite of doing. Like he doesn't do those things. Right. He plays hard. He gets he goes out there and gets triple doubles. He doesn't like opposing players during the game, and according to everyone, he's the cancer to his team. He played in the nineties. He'd be the greatest player of all time. <laughs> like he does exactly what Jordan did back in the day. If you look at his mentality, you're right. You're right, and that's why I said like it's it's getting harder to argue against it. So that, that that's definitely a fair take. Definitely a fair take. So we'll definitely see how the playoffs shake out because this, like I said, this year is just it's one of those odd years. Like what's happening this year is what was expected for the bubble last year, in my opinion. With the injuries. So let me ask you a question real quick, then, since you put me on the hot seat for a while. You got it. You got it under your head right now. Someone says, "Who's winning the NBA Finals?" Are you saying NBA Finals? Gun to my head right now. I have to answer Brooklyn Nets. And the reason why uh, the reason why I say that is because for Kevin Durant and James Harden to be out as long as they have been, and of course you insert Kyrie coming and going. And for that team to still be be flirting with the number one seed in the East, they just have yeah. too much firepower. And yeah, Milwaukee beat them back to back games this week, but they came down to you know what I'm saying. It was close, and James Harden is still out. <laughs> so it's yeah. like I'm like, dude, like, what can you do with that? And as far as the West. I know Utah has been at the top all year. Phoenix is definitely a sleeper. But the Clippers, dude, like, I know they've been under a lot of people's radar, but I feel like picking up Rondo was was huge for them. So I got the Clippers and Brooklyn because I just I can't see LeBron and them just flipping that switch. It's too late in the season. Unless something, unless so they've I, been faking it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a buddy that's a huge Lakers fan, and we love. I love to get into it with him. Um, he listens to this as well because I definitely send it to my buddies that always listen to my podcast. Uh, but when Brooklyn started getting all these players, I was like, "Look, man, like me saying this. I know I normally hate on the Lakers, but me saying this is not anything of me hating. This is me being realistic, like." They're not going to beat this team if this team is healthy. He was like, well, you know, the Marcus Aldridge, when he was playing, ain't the same. I'm like, you're right, but that's also their fourth and fifth option. <laughs> like, when you have Blake Griffin as your fourth option, you're doing pretty good. 
And that's what um, I was telling people. Like, I was like, he's like, oh, they're old. They're, I was like, dude, it doesn't matter. Like, you're not asking Blake Griffin to be Lob City Blake Griffin. Just him being on yeah. the court speaks volumes. Like, we're not talking throwing out just some random person now, just some random bench guy. Like, you're talking about a, a quality player, can't sleep on Jeff Green. So now they have interchangeable parts to where <laughs> – I love I love that you said my me because I love Jeff Green and I, a lot of people don't realize how great that guy would have been had he not had that heart issue. Exactly, like, that guy was the next star in Oklahoma City with KD and Russell Westbrook. Exactly, like, that guy was a stud. And to me, he still is. It's like, granted, you know, he he can't just go out there and and play like he used to, of course. But at the end of the day. When he comes in, he contributes, and he gives you defense. Yeah. He gives you scoring. Like, what else do you want? And he can take off and bang on somebody's head from time to time. So, it's like they have so many weapons. And then Harris, it's like, come on, dude. Like, we were talking about some of the greatest shooters in this episode, and it's like if he – I feel like if he almost was – him, almost put him on there. That's what I'm saying. Like, if, if he was on a team where, like, he would be – the second option, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody setting him up constantly, like he has the potential to be somebody the way he's able to score yep. the ball. And I'm like, when he, I've never seen a guy who just comes in the game, no matter when his number is called and he's just automatic. You know, most guys it's like, you know, take a couple shots, get going, get a rhythm going. But it's like, dude, he, as soon as he steps on the court, it's like, he's a threat. And I'm like, dude, Brooklyn is low. For sure. Brooklyn is loaded. Yeah, but we'll see. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm completely wrong because it's just one of those things where it's like I don't like how that Brooklyn team came together. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's like that's just what it is. But right now, I'm saying Brooklyn. I mean, one of the things I told my buddy, I was like, "Look, man, welcome to cheering for LeBron." He was like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Every team." And there's other people that's going to disagree with this, and I don't care. Like, you can go back and look at it. Because there's some people that say LeBron started super teams, but seem to forget about some of those old teams like Houston and L.A. and Boston and all that stuff. But that's a story for a different time. But teams are always built now to stop LeBron. Yeah. So you get you, you got the Kawhi to Toronto. That I know it's a little bit later, but they got Kawhi to Toronto because they one Kawhi won it out of San Antonio, and two they couldn't get over the hump of beating LeBron. Uh, you had Boston uh, getting Kyrie, and so take a piece away from them and try to beat him then. Uh, you obviously had the uh, KD the Nets go to whenever State they got the guy from the Celtics. Yeah, yeah. There's so many teams that you could name. Uh, <laughs> yeah, KD to the to the Warriors, like you said. There's just so many teams that you can name that have been built to try to stop LeBron from what he was doing. And you know, the LeBron gets a lot of flack for going to Miami, but uh, but as much flack as he gets, people should also remember he took a team with me and you on it to the NBA Finals in 2007. <laughs> like, that team was the worst NBA Finals team of all time, and I'll not hear an argument. Like, at that all. team was terrible. At all. I definitely agree. So, we'll see, man. We'll definitely see. So, again, let everybody know how they can uh, go check out Beef's Beef, man. I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can just search Beef's Beef on there. You'll see my logo, white background with the with my silhouette, um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at, I don't want to mess it up, um, at Beefs 
underscore beef. I'm also on Instagram as well. Um, Instagram, my name is beefs underscore beef underscore podcast. So you can find me on Instagram. If there's ever anything that you all would like to debate with me, that's totally fine. I mean, if you see here, like he and I met through BJ and we just started talking sports randomly. I just thought, I was like, man, this guy seems like he does like me and BJ. So I started commenting on your stuff as soon as I became your friend. And like, man, we, we agree on most things anyway. So I love it. Um, I love it. And that's, that's actually what led to me even doing a podcast. Cause most of the time yeah. I'll be sitting there watching the game and I'll just go live and just start talking about it. And, you know, before I knew it, it'll be 30 or 40 people just sitting there watching me ranting and venting and going on. And <laughs> people are like, man, you need to do a podcast. Like I'd actually listen to it. Like, and I'm like, you know what? I'll do it. And that's one of those things where I just kept putting it off, kept putting it off. And then I finally got that push and here we are. Like I said, it's, it's been a year for me and slowly trying to, you know, turn it into a different direction and just see where it goes from there, man. I tell you what, man, me, you and, uh, me and BJ should get together and do a a watch of a game together. Because me and BJ, like, that was what uh, got us so close. Um, like, I've known BJ for years. Um, but always down to do random sporting events like I am. Like, I'm all he's for gone with me to random <laughs> – I mean, he goes with me to random high school games. He's all, he'll, he'll shoot me a text, hey, this team looks pretty good. Let's go. Cool. I love watching high school basketball. Like, see, that's that, my, that's one of my what? favorite pastimes. That's perfect, then, because I'm the same way. Like, I'll go sit down and watch a high school game any night. Definitely. So, I mean, we would go to the KOB. I have a really good friend that's one of the better co- or high school coaches in the state. Um, I actually coached with him at Moore. So, I mean, like, we would go to Taylor County uh, and watch them play whenever he was there. So, I mean, we've seen a lot of good players play um, in the KOB down at Taylor County. We've gone to the Sweet 16. Uh, we watched David Johnson play in the uh, district final against Wagner a couple of years ago. So, mm-hmm. like, I've, I've watched a lot of good high school. He's come along with me in a lot of places and, and taken me to, you know, watch these Silver Creek teams and stuff with, with the kids up here that have, should have won three straight titles, but COVID took away the second one. <clears throat> so, that, that's what has – that's what got us closer is because it's always down to do random sporting events like I was. So – he was, the, he was the friend that I always needed because he's like, yeah, dude, I'm down. Let's go. You drive, I'll, I'll ride. Let's do it. I'm all for it, man. I'm all for it. Because like I said, and after this, we'll wrap it up. It's like I, when I watch a game, I'm looking at it from so many different angles. It's like I'm paying attention to people's body language. You know, just on random occasions, it's just like I'm looking at that because I'm, I'm saying that that leads to certain situations later on in the game. And real quick, the best example that I can give, you mentioned J.R. Smith earlier. When J.R. Smith was with Cleveland, if J.R. Smith didn't get the ball early in the game, his body language would change. And that impacted his defense. That impacted whether or not he was going to be able to make a shot later on in the game. It's been too many times where I'll see him clapping and LeBron will look him off and then he'll – you know, throw his hands up in the air or he'll make a face and then he'll come back down on the other end and he's not locked in on defense. And I'll tell people, like, look at her. Like, you can tell that he's frustrated because he's not getting the ball. Or the year before Kyrie Irving left, 
And if you don't yeah. believe me, go back and look it's, at it's really big in, in high school sports as well. Exactly. And I'm like, your body language, your attitude, all of that influences it. But if you go back and look at that playoff series the year before Kyrie Irving left, I'm just like, I was like, man, what's going on with Kyrie? Like, he don't want the ball. He acts like he doesn't want to be out there. And then the year that he demanded the, the, the trade and then the rumors and stuff came out about how he would come to practice and he didn't speak to anybody the whole entire time and stuff like that. And I'm like, that showed up on the court. And I would sit here and talk to my wife and them all the time. I'm like, dude, just look at his body language. Like, he don't want to be out there. I was like, you can tell that he doesn't like playing with LeBron. And sure enough, he has to be out. But like I said, when I yeah. when I say those things, people look at me like I'm crazy. And it's like, dude, what are you even talking about? And I'm like, dude, when I look at a game, I'm looking at everything that's going on out there. So I'm definitely down for it, man. Definitely appreciate you. Great conversation. And again, y'all go check out Beef's Beef. Oh, we are out of here, dude. Ass toasted, yeah. no competition. Amnesia toasted. Yeah. I feel so high. I feel so high.